Reach God, reach God, reach God. Yo, 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 what's up, what's up? And live from the 609, as always, here back at you with another episode. So today, got a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to touch on since my last episode. I think in my last episode, I definitely talked about the Bengals and how I think they were going to win the Super Bowl and how they proved that they can win any type of way and all of that. And then the Super Bowl actually happened, right? And I'm still not convinced that the better team won the Super Bowl. I'm not convinced. Couple things. Bengals have proven to the whole entire world that no matter what happens, they're going to be in that football game. Nine sacks, five sacks, sacks 70 times on the season. They're going to be in the football game. They got the offense, they got the weapons. They got it all. They got a running back. They got a great coach. They got a, a, a good defense that people don't give a lot of credit to. That defense finished in the top half of the league. So that's number one. Now let me get into the, 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 the specifics of how the game actually went down, right? Oh, yeah, coming out the half, T. Higgins. I get it. Yeah, it was a missed call. Definitely was a missed call. But that's how the game was being played all game long. And called. Refs blew three whistles. I repeat. The refs blew three whistles. Two false starts. One unsportsmanlike conduct. Two false starts. One unsportsmanlike conduct. Why? Because it's the Super Bowl... And you don't want the game to be decided by a whistle. So you let them play. So then we, we, we fast forward all the way to that goal line stance when you had a linebacker defending arguably the best receiver in football this season. Not, 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 not you know, forever. You know, I, I'll take a couple receivers over Cooper Cup. For various reasons. But for this season, he's been the best receiver in football. He won the Triple Crown. He won Offensive Player of the Year, right? He's being guarded by Logan Wilson, a linebacker. Linebacker's in perfect position. You know, when you're within five yards, everybody that knows football knows you can reroute the route runner. You're allowed to put your hands on him slightly. You're not allowed to grab him. You're not allowed to tug at him. You look at that replay. I want everybody right now, everybody right now that's listening, look at that replay. Go on YouTube, right? Go on YouTube and look at that replay. What exactly did Logan Wilson do wrong? Within five yards, he had his hands on him, he rerouted him, ball comes out, he knocks the ball down, right? But because that's Cooper Cup, best receiver in football this year, refs are like, oh, no way. Oh, no way that linebacker just made that play on Cooper Cup. There's no way that a linebacker can make that type of play on the best receiver in football and not be holding or not be pass interfering when that's exactly what took place. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand the call, especially when you were not calling that all game long. There was plenty of situations on both sides where the, where the whistle could have been blown. A lot of people touching, a lot of grabbing. It was a very physical football game. 
But that's the Super Bowl, and that's what you want. And if you're not going to call it early, you can't call it late. Especially in that situation. They don't blow that whistle. It's now fourth and goal. And Matt Stafford has to make a play. Because remember, they're down four at that point. A field goal does them no good. No good at all. They have to get into the end zone. And I'm convinced that if they don't blow that whistle on fourth and goal, Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford's. And what I mean by that is he does what he's done forever. He will make a crazy mistake. Okay? I know he's not Jim, Jimmy G on that level of making a mistake or Ryan Tannehill. But he ain't never been in that pressure situation. Like, he ain't won a national championship in Georgia. Uh, he was the first round pick, yeah, but he ain't never been all pro. He was never even considered a top five quarterback in the league. So, like, there was no evidence that he was going to make that play. Turnover on downs. Three nils downs. We got a Super Bowl winner. And this is coming from a Steelers fan. I think the Bengals got robbed. The Bengals absolutely got robbed. Absolutely. The Bengals absolutely got robbed. <sighs> so then everybody, oh, oh, wait, 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 ain't alive. But, 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 but they still scored and they had, what, a minute and 45 and three times? I get all that. I definitely get that. And then that's when Aaron Donald, who's arguably the best defensive player of my generation, showed up and showed out. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. You know, I mean, if you look at a couple, if you look at a couple of the replays, it seemed like everybody was open that he wanted to throw the ball to, except the person that he actually threw the ball to, P. Ryan, Samaji P. Ryan, right? And let me rewind back a little bit further, right? To 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 two downs, a down before that, or two downs before that, right? Why is Joe Mixon not in the game? I'm sorry, did, 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 did he not have over 50 yards rushing? Was he not averaging over five yards a carry? Why is Joe Mixon not in the game on a third and one when you actually decide to run the ball with less than a minute on the clock and two timeouts? Okay, I'll give you that. You want to run the ball? Cool. You run the ball with your best running back. You don't have Samaje Pirine in there getting grabbed and manhandled when somebody else had Aaron Donald's left arm and he uses his right arm and completely takes him down. Now, could he have done that with Mixon? Yeah, probably. But would I take my chances on Mixon over Pirine? Absolutely. Any day of the week, right? So then we go to that fourth down play, right? The play where... It was basically a sack. Joe Burrow happened to get the ball away, so he didn't get credited with a sack. But it definitely was a sack. He was going down. Look at the replay. If Joe Burrow has one more second, the game is over. Jalen Ramsey, top three cornerback in the league. Top two to somebody. Top one to most people. He was getting torched all game long. It didn't matter who he was guarding. And it seemed like he tried to guess what the Bengals were doing. And nine times out of 10, he guessed right because he was on the guy that Joe Burrow was throwing the ball to. He didn't just guard Chase all game. He didn't just guard Boyd all game. He didn't just guard Higgins all game. He was all over the field. So he figures, I'm not just going to take away one person. 
I'm going to try to take away your number one option on each play that you play, right? So, okay, cool, cool, cool. They're like, oh, oh, well, I think the final, the final numbers that he gave up was four catches, 156 yards, and a touchdown, right? And then you get the people on Twitter like, oh, take away 75 yards off of that. All right, let's do that. Take away the touchdown. Okay, let's do that, right? That's three catches for 68 yards. That is 22 yards a catch. Meaning that whenever you got the ball when being defended by Jalen Ramsey, you were going to average about 22 yards. That's two first downs. That ain't great either. So even if you take away, which we can't now because it actually happened and the numbers are in the books and it's all locked in, even if you take away that 75-yard touchdown, he still was getting torched. The last play of the game. Jamar Chase completely torched him on a go route. I mean, completely torched him. Great release off the line, great juke move, and ran right past him to the point where Jalen Ramsey even fell down. Joe Burrow has one more second to throw that ball, and the game is over. And I'm not taking nothing from the Rams. I just think that if you're going to swallow your whistle early, you have to swallow it late. At the end of the game, you have to have your best players in the game. Now, that's where I give McVay a lot of credit. Because what did he do? He said, oh, I, I don't got Odell no more. Okay, I'm going to Cooper Cup. And only Cooper Cup. Aaron Donald on defense. Oh, okay. We need to stop. You're going to Mick, right? He said his best players are going to be the reason that they win the game. I don't think Sean McVay was going to have... Henderson in the game or Sony Michelle in the game if it was if it was vice versa. Like if the scripts were flipped, I don't think that he would have anybody. I don't even think that he would run the ball. But if he did choose to run the ball, I think that he would have Cam Akers running the football. You would have your best players playing at the most key crucial time in the game. Uh, but congrats to the Rams. Congrats to the Rams because then it goes back to what else I said on a couple episodes, right? That in order for this trade to make sense, the Rams have to win the Super Bowl. And now the trade makes sense. Because Jared Goff got him there. We do remember that. It was just about, what, three seasons ago? Jared Goff actually got them to the Super Bowl. Didn't win it. Couldn't move the ball. Couldn't do anything. Couldn't score. Couldn't even score a touchdown. He got him there. So Matt Stafford had to win the game. And he did that. So salute to Matt Stafford. Salute to Matt Stafford. So I don't really know if I really touched on. I think last episode I was talking about it pre-trade, right? The Ben Simmons and all that. Now it actually happened, right? Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets along with Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Philly gets James Harden and Paul Millsap. Now, I've been listening to a lot, a lot of the banter lately over the last couple days, and I'm very, very, very confused on how anybody, and I mean anybody, can look at this trade and say, Philadelphia won the trade. There's no way in hell Philadelphia won that trade. Now, let me explain something to you guys. 
When this big three was assembled, right, we all had one question and one question only. Who's going to play defense? They ain't really got no defensive stoppers. They have no rim stoppers. You can beat them down low, and you can out-rebound them, and you can out-tough them, right? Now what you got? You got arguably the best perimeter defender in the whole entire league on your team now, right? And not only that, you were able to acquire a Curry. He ain't Steph Curry, but he's still a Curry, and he can shoot the damn basketball. I mean, look what he did in his debut last night. 23 points. He can score the basketball. So not only did you acquire the best perimeter defender in the world, you also acquired another shooter. And then what else did you acquire? A rebounder, right? I'm not going to act like Jerry, uh, Andre Drummond is some all-world uh, you know, post defender and he's a lot. He's not that. But you know what he can do? He can get in there and he can grab 12 rebounds in his sleep. He can be a body down low. You know what, you know what he also comes with? He comes with the same five fouls or six fouls because I'm a 6'1". You actually foul out. He comes with the same five, six fouls that everybody else does. Right? So I think Brooklyn won this trade by a mile. Right? So let's go to seeding now because Brooklyn because they were just on an 11-game losing streak, has now dropped to 8th place. There's 25 games left in the season. Barring Brooklyn going 25-0, and 0, they'll probably finish about, I'd say, at highest 4th. At highest 4th, you might flirt and get 3rd. Okay, I'll say at highest 3rd. But I think they're going to, they're going to finish between 4 and 6. You know what that means? That means no home court advantage. That means you got to play four games in somebody else's building. You know what that also means? That Kyrie Irving is now available for four of those games. I'm not sure what the Sixers were really doing with this trade, man. I feel like you give up Seth Curry, you got to get back Patty Mills. A Joe Harris. Somebody. Who's Philadelphia's three-point shooter now? You got Korkmaz, Niang. Stop it. Stop it now. They have no true knockdown shooter, right? And the problem with Ben Simmons in Philly is that, along with everything else he did, along with his elite passing, along with his, his good rebounding, along with his elite defense, they needed him to score the ball. They actually needed him to drop those 15, 20 points a game. In Brooklyn, they don't need him to score one point. They don't need him to score one point. He can average a double-double with assists and rebounds and be absolutely fine. They don't need him to score at all. He's got shooters all over the place. He's got all-world players next to him and Kyrie and KD. He can literally run up the court, run his offense, kick the ball out, or dunk it. Yeah, this is going to be very, very interesting. Very, 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 very interesting. Now, you want to talk about how James Harden fits with the Sixers. I don't think the Sixers are worse because of the James Harden trade. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, there's a winner and there's a loser. I just happen to think that Brooklyn was the winner. Okay, but Philly did did acquire James Harden. Now, let's not sleep, right? Because over a stretch of last season when James Harden had just arrived in Brooklyn, some were saying he was the best player in the world. He was averaging 30-point triple-doubles like it wasn't nothing, and he was engaged. 
So I will say that an engaged James Harden definitely makes Philadelphia a threat. But my question is, is that threat big enough to beat Brooklyn? Because that's what I think ultimately is going to happen. I think Philly and Brooklyn are going to find a way to meet in the playoffs, probably the second round. And then you have to explain to the media how you just lost to a team that you made better. Now, if the trade was just for Ben Simmons and James Harden straight up, I'm not so sure I'd be singing this to I mean, I, I mean, you still get a defender. But my whole thing is that the addition of Seth Curry and Andre Drummond just make it even, like, it, it's like, what? So not only did we get the best defender, a great passer, a good rebounder, we got another great rebounder and a big body down low that we desperately needed. And we also get another shooter? Another shooter? Uh, to go along with Harris and, and, and Mills and, and Cam Thomas who's coming on and Kessler Edwards. I mean, I don't need to mention Kyrie Irving and KD. We all know how lethal and electric they are with the basketball in their hands. I think this is going to be the best version of Ben Simmons you guys ever see. And I don't even mean scoring-wise. Do I think that there's going to be some nights where he goes off and drops 25, 30 points? Sure. On the regular? No. Because you know why? It ain't going to be necessary. It ain't that pressure on him to go out there and drop 30 points along with 10 rebounds and 10 assists and two blocks and four seals. No, 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 no. He can go out there and have eight points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists, three blocks, three steals. That's going to be his job. So let's go to the playoffs, right? And I, back to what I was saying about Kyrie being available for four games, right? So you look at the Eastern Conference. Four games of Kyrie, KD, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and all the rest of those boys. Who in the East is beating them? Who in the East is beating them in, 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 in a seven-game series when you got four games of that? Because not only because last year, KD, not only did he have to shoulder the offensive load, he also at times had to guard the other team's best player. Which made him tired. He doesn't have to do that anymore. Ben Simmons can guard one through four. And in some cases, five. So now, you got Ben Simmons to guard Jimmy Butler. You got Ben Simmons to guard James Harden. You got Ben Simmons to guard Giannis. You got Ben Simmons to guard Middleton. I mean, who else is there really in the East? Trey Young? I mean, okay. I mean, nobody really thinks the Hawks are that for real. You know what I'm saying? Knicks, nobody, eh, they might make the playoffs. Be another first round out. Be a great story. Who else in the East is there, really? You got Miami, Milwaukee, Chicago. But again, that goes to Ben Simmons is going to be guarding either Levine or DeRozan. And neither one of those are like, you know, I mean... I'm not saying that they're, they're scrubs. I mean, they're definitely top 20, 25 players in the league right now. But they ain't no super, super all-stars that you got to, oh, my goodness, let's game plan to lock these boys down. Like, I mean, they're good players. Yeah, they're good players. 
But who's beating Brooklyn in a four-game series when the odds are like that? So then let's go all the way to the finals, right? I think the Suns are going to come out the finals, out the, out, the, uh, out the West. Could be the Suns. Could be the Warriors, right? Again, now you got Ben Simmons. The pressure, I mean, the, the, the load that he takes off of KD's shoulders and, and, and just allows KD to just be the lethal offensive weapon that he is, it's over. I, I, and, 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 and do notice that even pre-trade, the Nets were the favorite to win the championship, according to 90% of the sports books. And now post-trade, the Brooklyn Nets are still the favorites to win the championship. Why? Because they got better. Now, I think that the fits for both teams are good. Harden, he likes to pick and roll. Now you got Embiid in that pick and roll. Yeah, that's going to be dangerous. That's going to be dangerous, especially if Harden's locked in. I mean, do I see Harden going out there and dropping 30-point triple-doubles? I think, he, I think yes. I think he's going to be very engaged. And I think over, over you know, this course of the next couple games, whenever he decides to come back and get himself acclimated and in the playoff start, which is going to be another question. Another question. Because Harden in the playoffs? <sighs> yeah. I mean, you got no business losing to San Antonio without Kawhi. You got no business losing to Golden State when they ain't got Steph. And, and, and you on your home court. In a, in, in a closeout game. You got no business losing those series. So James Harden has his own playoff woes. And I get that. But it's going to be real interesting. It's going to be real, 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 real interesting, right? Especially if he's engaged. Because that's always a big question. Is he engaged? Look at his track record. He's quit on two teams in less than two years. Literally quit. I don't give a damn how hurt James Harden is. If he's on that court, there is no excuse for a game like his last game for the Brooklyn Nets against the Sacramento Kings. I could have went out there and had four points on eight shots. I could have did that. He literally quit on two franchises. And then today in the press conference, he wants to say, oh, Philly was my number one choice. I mean, it sounds good now. It sounds good now. I mean, but, but let me remind you. That when y'all were healthy, all three of y'all together, y'all were playing, which was only 16 games, had a record of 13 and 3. Meaning that if you would have just stayed there and been engaged like you said you were and waited it out to the playoffs, you were going to win a championship. But not only did you go to a team with less talent, you went to a team that you're going to have to now face your old team to get where you need to go. And I'm not sure that Philadelphia is better than Brooklyn now. They weren't better than Brooklyn before the trade. They're damn sure not better now. They lost shooting. They lost size. They gained a superstar, top 10 player. I get that. I get that. But it's about depth. It's about continuity. It's about fit. James Harden needs the basketball. Now, we all know that that is Joel and Bas- jo- Joel and B's basketball team, right? So how's that going to work? The problem with Ben Simmons and Philly is that everybody wanted him to be this, 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 this LeBron 2.0. Like, he wasn't going to be that, okay? That's not how he wants to play the game. He wants to play the game the way he's going to get to play the game in Brooklyn. 
facilitating at a heavy level, at a, at facilitating at a high clip, rebounding at a high clip, locking down at a high clip. That's how he wants to play basketball and occasionally scoring. You know, dunk here, lob there, lay up here. I think it would be hilarious if Ben Simmons comes out all of a sudden with a three-point shot now. Because me and one of my buddies were actually talking. As talented and has and has all around and how all around his game is, if he had a jump shot, I can argue he would be the best player in the world right now. If he had a consistent jump shot, if he shot 40% from this from the two-point line and 38% from three, he'd be the best player in the world. Over KD, over LeBron, over Kawhi, over over everybody you can think of because of everything else he brings to the table. Elite defense, size, strength. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. So, hope everybody enjoyed the episode. I'll be back with another one soon. Again, this is Reach God.